What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mongols Podcast, sponsored by Roughneck Scars. I'm Mike. With me is Kevin Josh. Coming up, we'll chat with all USL Riverhounds midfielder Kenny Forbes. We'll learn how Kenny's handling the pandemic and how he got involved in designing the Riverhounds kits. Afterwards, we'll break down our latest Mon movie, Green Street Hooligans. We'll talk about, you know, the possibility of there not being a season and more. Let's go! Everything was just falling into place. Bunky Azio cuts inside. With this run for Marty. Oh. Oh. Kenny, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And, you know, we're, we, we've been itching to talk to you. Obviously, the season is on hold. How how are you passing the time? I mean, I have to become a, uh, a first grade teacher for the past <laughs> two weeks. So I have my daughter at home. She's seven years old. So I have to be teaching her because my, my girlfriend, I, work at the hospital so she have to go to work so i have to become a teacher so that's how i pass my time <laughs> <laughs> so all right ta- talk us through this what what are some of the challenges of being a first grade teacher that you probably weren't expecting to get into here you know just a few weeks ago <laughs> i mean the biggest challenge is patience you know <laughs> i don't have a lot of patience so I, it's, it, I'm just I'm I'm still adjusting, so it's gonna take time. But I'm I'm trying my best. Oh, I, I mean that that sounds like the rest of us. So we completely understand. <laughs> um, do you have any sort of hobbies or passions that uh, you're sort of taking this extra time to maybe spend a little bit more time on? No, not not really. I, my my extra time sometimes I just like at night I just like watch old clips, old games, all like that. Old older games on YouTube. Are are you watching like old hounds clips, or are there like other teams that you follow that you like to go back and watch? No, my 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 days with the Riverhounds, no, the the Rochester Rhinos, and some. I I recently watched the the last year home opener against Hartford. So just some old clips from 2015. So what? So like now, now we're getting deep here. So like, what? What are your? What were your thoughts in the home opener? Now that you got to go back and watch them, how, how do you think the team did? I mean, I think we we, we did we did well for the most for, for last season. Last season against Hartford, I think we did well for the most part. First half we did well. Second half we came out a little bit flat, and they, they I think they got the equalizer in the like forty fifth, forty ninth minute, fifty minutes. So. Um, I, I would say second half we came out flat, and I think Kevin Kerr get us back in his two one, give us the lead two one, and then we got a PK late, late in the game that Nico converted. So nice. I think the biggest thing for us is to start faster, coming yeah. out of half time. I think that's that's our problem. So I think this season we just have to work on that. Uh, to be honest, I, I expected nothing less from you, Kenny, to go back and be watching old clips on your time off. <laughs> um, but, so, so your, your passing your passing skills are pretty well known throughout the league, and I guess as we kind of see a pattern throughout global soccer, as as players continue to to go through their career, once they get you know maybe on the other side of thirty, 
they start kind of moving back towards defense. Like even, you know, the likes of Wayne Rooney plays his whole career as a striker and now he's playing deeper in the midfield. Is that is that something that you think about and consider in your own game where, you know, maybe historically you play more of an attacking midfielder? Is that something now you're thinking about maybe transitioning your game towards being maybe deeper in the midfield and kind of starting the, the attack and controlling the play a bit more? For the past two, for the past three years, I've been playing all in midfield for about my, my second season in Rochester. I, I was playing a winger. I was like outside left, outside midfield. But I could play anywhere in the midfield, all in attacking, outside left, outside right. So when I, when I just got to the Rhinos, Bob, I played outside left for the for the whole 2015 season. 2016, I started wide left, wide right. I think like 20, 20 games in into the season, he put me at all in midfield, and ever since then, I've been playing all in midfield. But I think, as you said, getting older, I think I see I see the game differently. Playing as a all in midfielder because I get on the ball a lot more and. I can read the game, and I think that's my best position right now. I mean, yeah, wait, making what your first team all league last season as holding midfield—it's hard yeah. to argue against. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do Do you ever maybe even in a in like a Lily system where, let's say, if he's playing three at the back, you know, we see players like Vonky Azil, um the the kind of flexibility in his play to be able to play like in a back three as well as in the midfield. Do you even foresee yourself? dropping into a back three and, and being more of like a, a, a ball playing defender is, do you think that's something potentially in your future? I did it. I did it last year for 45 minutes when <laughs> Joe Greenspan get red card against Charlotte. Yeah. I play, I play 45 minutes in the back. In did the you back. like it? I, I, yeah, I could do it. it <laughs> I mean, it's easy about there. I, yeah. I, I played there growing up back in Jamaica. So, um, I'm familiar with it, so I think it, it's good. I could jump in the in the center of the midfield, distributing bars, and I read the game well. So I, I think I could do it. If you had your choice, you know, would you would you be sort of a holding midfielder? I mean, we've seen times where you get you know 20 yards out, and uh, you just get that look in your eye where we know like you're you're making a play at goal. Do you? Do you like being the guy that's sort of starting the play, or do you like sort of being the guy that makes that last pass, or is maybe getting the shot a little bit further up the field? Well, I mean, when I was younger, I was I I, I played at attacking midfield as an attacker, but I think for me, I really enjoy holding midfield because sometimes I start to play and sometimes I finish to play. Sometimes, mm-hmm. so I I can do it do it both playing all in midfield because I think I have like what seven assists in the run of play last season mm-hmm. so I think uh, that's that's a good balance you know I, I play all in midfield and I still make two passes so it's a good balance I think I, I'd rather play all in midfield I could do do everything from there yeah, can't argue with that. And, you know, because you have so much success in the midfield, we do have a lot of kids that listen to the show, a lot of, you know, potential future midfielders. What would you say has been the most important trait or keys to your success um, in the midfield position that maybe, you know, if you have a, a kid that comes up and says, hey, you know, I want to play just like you, what's sort of like the number one thing you would tell them to to work on or to focus on? Well, 
I mean, first, you have to be tactically aware. Because in the midfield, there's a lot of traffic. So you have to be tactically aware. Know how to receive a ball. Know when you can turn. Know when to play it first time. So that is awareness. So as I said, tactically aware. And you have to be, I mean, you have to kind of be like a student of the game. So you have to listen really well and you have to really pay attention what the other team do well. How... How they how they pressure, how they they how they play on defense. So it's like quarterback playing NFL. So you have to read the defense. So it's a lot of traffic when you're inside the midfield. So you have to think smart and, as I said, tactically aware. And then you just have to be a, a, like a leader because when you're in the midfield, you have to communicate to your left, to your right, and to the guys in front of you. So it's a lot of responsibility in there. So you just have to be aware at all times. And you have to be really smart and listen to the coach and pick up the tactics really well. When you're doing that, like with, for example, like with uh, Robbie Mertz, you you guys seem to have like built up a lot of good chemistry and kind of like can read each other. Is that something you like intentionally work on uh, with Mertz, or is that something that kind of develops naturally as you guys play together? I would say, for the most part, it's natural. He's a good kid. He's a really good player, and he's smart. He read the games well. He read the game well, and I think he compliments me a lot because he brings a lot of energy. And sometimes I'm the, I'm the guy to sit back more, think the game more than rubber Mertz. He uses legs. Sometimes I I more use my head. I think the game more than he does. Well, he, he's a really smart guy. And over time, like during the season, sometimes coach is kind of, he's not the best getting information across to, to players. Mm-hmm. So sometimes Robert Mertz will text me or call me. And, or sometimes after practice, he'd ask me questions. And I would go over certain, like the system to him, break it down. So he could understand it more than how Bob explained it to him. So I, I would say more than likely it, it's natural. Cool. I mean, we we hear time and time again. I mean, that's those per, you like personality types like yourself are so important in the squad. Being able to kind of knit everything together. I mean, switching from you know Robbie had his first season under Coach Philly uh, last season, whereas you have spent a lot of. Uh, I'll, I'll say a lot of your career with Coach Lilly, probably more than anyone else on the squad currently. Why do you think, you know, Lilly, Coach Lilly has a lot of success, obviously, in the USL. Why do you think his teams are so successful? I think we know as fans it's not the easiest coach to play for at times um, for, due to how much he demands of the players. But why do you think Coach Lilly teams are so successful? Uh, as I said, the demand is very high. So as soon as you come, you come in the first day, you can't relax. Because it demands a lot, even in practice. If you make a bad pass, he stopped it, and he talked for 10 minutes. He's, he's like a perfectionist. So it, it's, I yeah. mean, it's a good thing. It's, it's really good. And he, he gives you a lot of information, a lot of information. So, <laughs> so, so we're playing against Charlotte this week. So you, you get an information from Monday through to Saturday. Like... 40 minutes before the game, he, he tell you, like, every player on Charlotte, what they do well, what they don't do. 
so you get a lot of information. So it's easier for you to go in the game and you know, oh, they're going to pressure us. Oh, they're going to sit back. So you adjust your mind because you know the game plan from since Monday leading up to the game on Saturday. And and as I said, he is really dedicated to to his coach and he, he he put everything into it each day. He have no half switch. <laughs> very demanding. So, so once you get in the system and once you get to know know his style of coaching and you accept it, you're gonna be a good player. And you're gonna learn something you never learned before. That's awesome. So I would say he, he's very demanding and he give you a lot of information. So he, he put us in a position to, to be success, successful at all times. Nice. All right, so changing gears a little bit. Uh, word on the street is that you had a hand in designing the third kit, the black kit that just came out, that uh, everyone is loving. Um, I've <laughs> seen so much hype around that kit. <laughs> how did that come about? Like, how did How did you get involved with that whole situation? Um, it's just that one day I went I went up to the office to see John Rothstein. Vis called me to his office telling me he was designing the kit. So I, 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 I think Bob Bob came around and said, "Let." So I, I was asking, "Can I design one? Uh, can I, I?" I was telling Vis, "You should do this. You should do that." So Bob <laughs> said, let it. Let Kenny do it. So and that's the design I came up with. So. Yeah. And, and and I'm happy to hear that it's the best one. And I really <laughs> like it. Yeah, as soon as it came out, everyone on like our we have a Discord channel, a, a chat program that uh, all the Steel Army uh, kids are on, and they were all just like, "This is awesome! This is fantastic!" <laughs> Everyone's ordering it. So good job. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> I haven't. You, thank you. I haven't purchased a Hounds jersey in probably four or five years, but I saw that and immediately went and dropped the money to get one. Um, so, <laughs> but like, wait, do you have like, do you have any sort of art background at all, or did you just walk in and be like, "No, no, no I got no, this." No, <laughs> no, no. I mean, like, I mean, they they say like. They know, like game day, game day. When I came, when I pull up to the game, they they, they say I could dress, like I could put myself together. So, can <laughs> he have a lot of style? So maybe he could put some of his style into a jersey. So that's 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 the reason why I, I did it. Would you uh, would you say you're the the most stylish guy in the locker room? Yeah, I would say that. I, would say, I, I take a lot of pride in that. Nice. <laughs> I would say that. Love it, love it. Gotta look good. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, you have to. You have to. So, um, so one of the things that we're doing, obviously, since the team isn't playing, to to try to keep the Steel Army together and and help everybody sort of pass the time while we're all sort of shut in our homes is on Saturday nights we've been watching collectively watching a movie. So we all sort of sit down at the same time, almost as if like you guys were on the road. We're all sitting down at the same time. We're all watching a movie at the same time. I just had to yeah. ask. Is there a is there a particular movie that you like? Maybe a, a maybe one that has soccer in it that uh, maybe you think we should add to our list of of movies that we may end up watching here over the next few weeks. I mean, my favorite soccer movie that long time ago. I think Lady Bug with Martha. Yes, <laughs> a little boy get a wig on and playing the girls' league. <laughs> I've seen that movie. Yeah, Harry Dangerfield. Yeah, it's a good movie. <laughs> we will definitely add that no, to our list. No, I, no, I only watch like series, like 
um, Blacklist and Homeland. Yeah. Those are my two favorite. Uh, no, Power. So I only watch like series these days when, yeah. I, when I have time. Yeah. Right now I have a lot of time, so I've been catching up <laughs> on my series. Yeah. Have you been, uh, I mean, obviously we know that the team hasn't been training. Have you been uh, sort of doing anything to stay in shape? How do you stay in shape? For, for something like this when sort of the team isn't getting together? I mean, last week, last week, Wednesday, I came out for the, I think we practiced on Monday, and Wednesday I went back to the stadium to get some, some work in. Ever since then, I haven't left. I just finished set up my treadmill at home. I bought a treadmill over the weekend. So nice. I'm staying at home and getting some work on the treadmill. I'm going into my backyard and do some some extra running and some ball work. So that's how I'm going to stay in shape. <laughs> well, it sounds like a plan, um, Kenny. You know this this has been great. We we love the fact that you you know came on took took a break from teaching first grade to join us here for a few <laughs> minutes to, to share some insights. Um, obviously, man, we we hope. You and your family, everybody stays healthy, and uh, you know we hope to see you here on the field, hopefully pretty soon. But uh, best of luck with Sooner everything, and, and yeah, we really appreciate you, you talking to us. Thanks, man. Thank you. No problem. Hey, guys, it's Polanski, and I'm going to be giving you the Mon Movie Review of the Week. This week, we watched Green Street, a.k.a. Green Street Hooligans, which is a 2005 indie film about a soccer firm called the Green Street Elite. It focuses on a man named Matt, played by Elijah Wood, who's wrongly kicked out of Harvard for drug possession. After this, he goes to visit his sister Shannon in London, and ends up falling in with Shannon's brother-in-law, Pete, played by Charlie Hunnam, who is the leader of the GSE. Right off the bat, we see that Matt is a pushover, uh, so you pretty much know how his story arc is going to go. He starts off as the wimpy pushover. By the end of the movie, he has more of a backbone, will stand up for himself. With Pete's character, he's basically Jack's teller if Jax was from London. I understand how this role could have led to Charlie Hunnam being cast as Jack's teller. He did Green Street, one more movie, and then did Sons of Anarchy. Pete is a prototypical leader. He loves to hang out with the boys, drink beer, will fight at the drop of a hat, and is will always stand up for his friends. The movie moves fast with their friendship. Uh, when they first meet, Pete tries to get rid of Matt right away, and by the end of the first day, they're basically best friends. It's mentioned later that Pete is too trusting of people, but it just seemed like they went from 0 to 100 really fast. And now that I think about it, they would be related through marriage, but even that doesn't really help that. Um, the two people I think who had the best story arcs in the movie were Steve and Bover. Bover is Pete's right-hand man, and he's very standoffish against Matt and Pete's friendship. Almost like he's afraid Pete's going to replace Bover with Matt, uh, which ends up leading to him go against the GSE at one point in the movie. Uh, and Steve is Matt's brother-in-law. He seems like a real POS in the beginning of the movie, but when you find out about his history, you can't really sympathize for what he's done in the movie, but you kind of understand some of his decisions. The one relationship that really bothered me was between Bover and Tommy Hatcher, who was the leader of 
the GSE's rival firm, the NTO. At first, they were, I thought they were brothers, because the way Tommy said bother, it sounded like he was saying brother, but I looked it up, they have no relation in this movie, which makes you wonder why Bavar would ever go near the NTO's territory if they're such big rivals. Another thing that is never flushed out in this movie is the GSE's hatred towards journalists. I could understand if like a journalist had written a bad story about the GSE or a false story, but there was no national rational reason given. And the whole Matt studying journalism, his dad being a journalist storyline, just seemed like a device to add tension to the plot. Now, the reason we all listen to this podcast is the football. As much as this movie is about football hogans, there's n- barely any football in it at all. Um, there's one match to be exact. You don't know the Jesse or West Ham fans until they're leaving the pub to head to the match and they start chanting, I'm forever blowing bubbles, which means the Jesse is loosely based on the intercity firm, which was West Ham's notorious football hooligan firm. Um, now we're told that they're going to see a West Ham, uh, Birmingham city match, which would put this match in the 0506 season. But the footage you actually see in the movie is of West Ham playing Gillingham. Uh, And I saw somebody post on Twitter about why would West Ham associate themselves with this film. When the club was approached about the movie, they were under the impression it was going to be a movie about the great fans of football. But when they found out what the movie was actually about, filming had already taken place. So all they could do was disassociate themselves with the project. Uh, overall, I really did like this movie. I think it showcased the world of football hooliganism well. It made sure to show the highs and the lows of that lifestyle. I think it played fast and loose with Matt and Pete's relationship and some information that was given to the audience. Uh, one of the big driving forces towards the end of the movie is something we have no information on until halfway through the movie. And the ending felt kind of bland to me. I was really hoping for one thing to happen. And it almost did, but then it just fell short. Um, I'm going to give my rating and then I'll give a Mongols rating. I rate movies on if I would rewatch or would not rewatch them. And I will definitely rewatch this movie. Um, for my Mongols rating, I'm going to give this 7 out of 7 Leaping Kyle Mortons. So, Matt Polanski, huge thanks for the uh, for the write-up on the, sh- on the uh, movie. Um, really well done. We're going to have to get Matt in here to do another one for, for next week. Uh, joining us now, Laura Ellen, how's it going? I'm great. How's everyone? We're good. Very good. Yeah. I I feel like, uh, not that I'm energized, but, uh, talking to Kenny really sort of lifted my spirit, which was great (laughs) hearing how he's, uh, you know, he's a first grade teacher, just like many of us are at this point with kids at home and having to, to cope. So, uh. So yeah, kudos to him. Um, We want to talk about the movie. So the movie we watched was Green Street Hooligans, as Matt laid out. Let's get some general thoughts. Laura Allen, I know you have thoughts. You were very active in Twitter, which I I thoroughly enjoyed (laughs) all of your comments (laughs) as as the movie was going on. Give us your hot takes. What what, what was your thoughts on the movie? 
Well, I feel like just to start off, to be clear, the the first two films that that we selected, or I guess that our listeners selected, I had not seen before, like sitting down to watch them. So Mm -hmm. these were like my immediate reactions that if you would have been sitting with, like sitting on my couch with me, which we obviously can't do right now, that's exactly what I would have said. So I just put it out into the Twitterverse. Um, (laughs) So just to remind folks, if you didn't see it, my rating uh, for the film was two lilies out of four because there was a lot of yelling um, three coopers out of or yes three coopers out of three so 100% in that front because there was a lot of drinking and 0.3 dubas because there wasn't a lot of soccer which Matt highlighted um, so well in his uh, review so um, I don't know what that turns out to be like if you mash that all together probably like I don't know, like a 50 to 75% out of a hundred, somewhere in that range. Um, it was, it was fine. I, there were just so many plot holes and I think Matt highlighted this really well. Um, but like there was barely a foundation for the revenge attack and you know, they got like so upset and they were like, Oh, he's back, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait, what? Anyway, And then at some point we find out that Matt and his sister, Shannon, I believe that their mother is dead. I was like, what does that have to do with anything? And why is that only being brought up now? And then also that he has some strange relationship with his father, which I feel like every single person on that, like in the green street hooligans has father issues and needs a lot of therapy for a whole bunch of things. Um, But, but anyway, like from my perspective, clearly this film was made to highlight the violence that occurs um, or, you know, and as Steve and I talked about, you know, it's, it's like a theatrical take on the violence. And so the focus was on the violence and not actually telling a story, because if we were trying to tell a story, you would do a lot better job of telling a story. Uh, so that's how I feel. Um, I know like some folks like really love it and, you know, Matt said he wants to watch it again. I probably would choose something else to watch again if I had the option. Um, but that's why there's lots of movies out there because people have different tastes. Yeah, for sure. Josh, what, what, what'd you think of it? Yeah. I mean, I knew this movie. I, I can't remember when I watched it. I might've watched it originally when I was in college or maybe like senior year of high school, like somewhere. I was pretty young when I watched it the first time. And I think I've, I've seen it probably about two or three times since then. And it's not a great movie. I'm not trying to say it's a great movie, but <laughs> especially like watching younger and then watching it now, I definitely take it. I got a lot of different things out of it. The, when I was younger, I think it was more about like looking at the camaraderie and look how much fun they're having. Like, then there was violence. It's like, oh, that's bad. It's like I never like picked up on the violence part of it. I was never like, oh, that seems like it's glorifying it. It felt much more like, I don't know. It's 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 pretty shallow movie overall, obviously. Um, but it did show me a little bit of like culture around like the camaraderie and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then obviously it's all drowned out by all the violence and the I don't, I'm, I'm still kind of wrestling with like, do you think they do a good enough job of explaining why the violence is bad? <laughs> because it's like at the very end, it's like it has the whole, you know, hey, look, his son died and that's why he's still doing this. And, and now the brother dies. It's like, I don't know if that was really good enough showing, you know, how that part's stupid. 
but I feel like that should have been the the whole message of the movie is that the violence is stupid, and I felt like it kind of fumbled that. Yeah, that's a good point. Like the message of the movie was not that violence is stupid. The message of the movie was, hey, there's violence, and it just like keeps going on regardless. Um, yeah, I I agree. I think that it was it was. I don't want to say it was definitely better than the van, but I think it was more easy oh, yeah, to understand was. than the van. <laughs> <laughs> I still enjoyed parts of the van. Um, I think I was sort of into this because, you know, it was sort of fun to watch Elijah Wood sort of get absorbed into this culture. I think Matt was right. I think there were a lot of jumps where he's like, hey, I'm this naive guy. And then all of a sudden he's like, no, nah, we're best friends. Let's throw down. And um, to me, it was so so, I don't even want to say sensationalized because I know that this actually sort of happened, but it almost felt fake. Like and I also thought it was ironic that we were watching it the week that we play Louisville, considering the relationship that the Steel Army has with the Coopers, where it's just like, can you imagine like rolling up with the Steel Army to just get in a brawl with the Coopers like that would never happen. Um, So it, it was it was fun in the way that like fantasy movies are fun. Like I won't, you know. I'll say Lord of the Rings, which I know, oh yeah, Elijah Wood's in. But like, I, <laughs> you can watch it and enjoy it because they're cutting off like orcs' heads. And it's like, okay, there are no such thing as orcs. Like I sort of watch this and I think like, guys don't just get together and like, you know, find places and maul each other just because they can and they're from different teams. But clearly they do. Just in my head, like that sort of thing doesn't exist. Or, or don't anymore necessarily, but definitely did. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, yeah, that, like I've I've heard a couple of kind of old English fans um, of of the game talk about this era before, and every one of them definitely admits that it's better now, but everyone also kind of admits there was, in this weird, perverse, idiotic way, there was this excitement about it for them, where they weren't necessarily part of the kind of grouped hooliganism but going to the match was dangerous you would you would it would you know going down avenues by yourself you didn't do you you could get seriously hurt and people seriously got hurt and they and yeah they said it's obviously better now where that's not a and not, it's not an issue but they they was like that's kind of i almost get this sense of like i've i obviously both of these worlds i'm about to reference i've never been anywhere close to but like i've heard interviews by um army veterans or whatever kind of how sometimes they miss like the action and the adrenaline of the scenario that they're in and i get the sense that it's kind of similar for like the hooliganism thing um but yeah no it's it's obviously the world's much better that we're not in that time anymore um that's that's definitely a yeah good thing yeah yeah i don't know I don't know. Um, I look. I still continue to think that that sort of the Mon movie idea is fun. Um, we had sort of more people commenting in Twitter this week than we did last week, which is great. Uh, you know, there were scenes that I probably shouldn't have been laughing at that I was totally laughing at because of the comments on Twitter. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I think the scene where they all rolled up in the van to like surprise attack the uh, the other supporters that were waiting for them at the train station was pretty funny, um, even though it shouldn't have been funny. But uh, yeah, I don't know, Josh. How would you uh, how would you rate this movie? Where would you put the? I mean. You know, Matt gave his sort of like would definitely watch again, and then he gave like his Mongols rating. Would you watch this? I mean, obviously you've watched this before, but n- knowing who you are now, would you watch this again? And what rating would you give it? 
Eh, I mean, I, I feel like I'm kind of over it now because I don't know. Like after watching this more recent time and more as an adult watching it instead of like a, a you know, older kid, uh, I didn't get as much out of it. Uh, rating wise, at least this had a coherent plot. I know it had plot holes, <laughs> but at least it was still a plot. Like, come on, the van just ended out of nowhere. You're like, oh, it's over? It's a, is there another scene? Maybe there's a after credits? I don't know. Uh, yeah, this actually had an ending, at least. Uh, even if it was kind of anticlimactic, it still was there. Um, so uh, what are we rating this out of now? How many uh, soccer balls in the lawn? Any, anything you want. Many? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll say... Uh, Three out of five river river balls. There we go. Okay, three out of five. That's that sounds that sounds legit. Um, yeah, I don't know if I would watch it again. Like I said, I I enjoyed more or less the experience of watching it with everybody. Um, you know, uh, again, this was another movie that like every time the kids walked into the room and like somebody's about to get stabbed in the neck with a beer bottle, I'm like, no, turn around, <laughs> leave the room. Um, so uh, I'm looking forward to maybe picking something that's lighter this upcoming week. Uh, but again, I, uh, Laura Ellen, I'm like you. Both of these movies I had never seen before. I sort of, I at least knew of the Green Street Hooligans, but never seen it before. So I'm glad that I sat down and I watched it. I feel like I maybe learned something, um, whether it's fictitious or not. I learned that, you know, especially after Matt mentioned it, that West Ham, you know, I feel bad for them that they were sort of painted as the home team here. Um but, uh, yeah, I guess I'll give it, oh, uh, for violence, maybe three red cards and, <laughs> um, three red cards and a, uh, uh, what was the, the, the Riverhounds ale that came out? <laughs> golden, uh, well, there's the, the golden pound was the old one and yeah. then session copper uh yeah riverhounds session copper was the other one yeah i give it three red cards and uh two golden hound ales so there we go. Uh, so that's how i rate it <laughs> kev uh um i was waiting for you to ask me yeah on, uh, <laughs> <laughs> on the blue avenue barbarians this is what we watched right that's that's, yeah. the, name. <laughs> <laughs> that's the name of the movie um full disclosure no i did not watch it but uh <laughs> My my lovely fiance Riley did watch it. She took notes, <laughs> and so just a few of the notes. We we have to let you read the notes because she actually yeah. took notes for you. So yeah, yes. yeah. So a few of the notes. They're quite funny. The first note is just LOL at Elijah Wood because like, <laughs> she, just, she, she just didn't believe. Like, come on. Like, I, th- I think that's kind of the note. Like Elijah Wood's five six in real life. Like, and at the end, what he apparently like intimidates his larger Harvard roommate to like, you know, I don't know, whatever happens at the end. <laughs> she was like, no, she was like, Elijah Wood's not intimidating. This is, it's not going to work. Um, and then apparently, yeah, what? Uh, so Charlie Hunnam. Um, so he's from Newcastle, which he has a Geordie accent. Apparently he has a horrible uh, Cockney accent um, for East London or whatever. Apparently that's a thing. <laughs> yeah so i don't know but she said yeah apparently Char- charlie hunnam has a horrible accent um which i kind of i i watched like a youtube clip of all I see, like i could see it um and yeah she just yeah she said toxic masculinity at its finest um <laughs> which it definitely <laughs> seemed like it was um <laughs> definitely so <laughs> yeah so R- riley gave it two and a half stars out of five so okay so it's like yeah. average 
for Riley. Yeah, she said it. She said it wasn't a bad movie. She said it was just there was a lot of weird things happening. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fair. <laughs> um. So yeah, like I said, uh, we're gonna sort of turn the page here and try to do something a little bit later. Um, going into next week. And I think just like we did last week, we're going to put it to the fans to pick what it is that we watch this upcoming week. Now, one thing that we are running into, uh, the first two movies have been very fortunate because they've been on YouTube, but uh, we've been sort of scouring Netflix and Amazon Prime and YouTube to try to find some other soccer movies that aren't as, um, I don't want to say gory, but probably gory as these have been, and they're sort of in short supply. So, the three movies that we're going to put out this week, uh, they may require you, if you don't already own them, to maybe rent them, which in most places I think are two bucks um, on either Amazon Prime or somewhere like that. So uh, hopefully, you know, that's not an issue for anybody who wants to participate. Um, but the three movies we're going to put out this week uh, as uh, sort of collectively voted on by uh, the group here are Bend It Like Beckham, The Big Green, and we're going to kick it over to Kenny, who uh, who said Ladybugs. We're going to put Ladybugs out there. So, uh, you know, Kenny's favorite soccer movie is now on the table if you're interested in watching that. We'll put the poll out on Twitter. You guys can go and uh, and vote for that and uh, help us pick what it is that we're going to watch this upcoming Saturday, since obviously there's not going to be a game this Saturday either. Um, guys, one other thing that I wanted to talk here uh, with you about, I was going to say quickly, but we can talk about it as long as we want. Ross Kane, um, who is the Hounds' new goalkeeper coach on Twitter, he's at GK Enthusiast. Uh, he tweeted out an article from The Guardian, and I think this is something that we've all sort of been thinking about, but nobody has really wanted to say or talk about. But the quote that he took from the article and actually put in the tweet itself, it said, even if football returns behind closed doors, which is the best case scenario, there are obvious issues. If a single player tests positive for COVID-19, then their whole squad will have to self-isolate for a fortnight, elongating seasons further. So, you know, we've been doing this with sort of the hope that the USL would return at some point here. But I think the longer this goes on and the longer we sort of look out, we just don't know. We have no idea. And it's it's driving me personally insane because I'm somebody who likes to plan a week out, a month out, whatever it may be. And we're in a world where, like, it's literally at a day at a time. You take the information as you get it, you adapt, and you move forward. But we could be, you know, facing a very real possibility that the league won't be back. Or if it is back... It's in some capacity, like, you know, the article said, where maybe it's closed door games that are televised. But even at that, if a team gets sick, you got two weeks between game time. So I don't even know how you plan for that. Um, Laura Allen, what are your what are your thoughts on, you know, the prospect of, you know, there may not be a USL season or have you have you thought about this at all? Uh, yeah, I, I have. And I think um, it's. It's really difficult for me because, you know, soccer is something that I love a lot. It's, you know, something that I put a lot of time and invest a lot of resources into, you know, paying for season tickets and merchandise, you know, like all the things. Um, and so, you know, the even the idea that I won't get to watch any soccer this season in person at Highmark is like really, really sad to me. And it's even more sad, I think, after, you know, um, like uh, Kevin said that, or I don't know, somewhat, so, you know, talking about the camaraderie 
you know, after the movie was over this weekend and after we were done tweeting and I was like completely exhausted, I was like, man, I miss everybody. You know, I miss hanging out. And so for me, like that is just heartbreaking and that's really sad. On the flip side of that, um, from, you know, as someone, you know, I'm, I'm a social worker, I've talked about that a lot, but I, my research is in healthcare and knowing a lot of people in the healthcare field, um, like, I feel like my love for soccer cannot outweigh, like, the desire I have to, like, have this be addressed in a safe way, and so... Yeah, I I don't like it leaves me in like this very torn place. And so I don't know exactly what to do about it, if that makes sense. So um, it's it's heartbreaking. And at the same time, I'm like, okay, but if that's what it has to be, then that's what it has to be. But, you know, I don't like that. So that's a very non answer. (laughs) No, (laughs) because I don't feel like there isn't a good answer, you know, and it's like. You know, I have a, you know, three and a half, almost four month old. And yeah, like everything out there is indicating that like kids are like relatively okay, but she hasn't had all her immunizations yet. Right. Like, you know, I'm sorry, but like, I'm going to pick health over soccer, but at the same time, it's horrible because it's not just physical health. It's also mental and social health. And that involves interacting with people. And so I think for me, that's how, like, the Mon movie idea and just, you know, all the ridiculous number of, like, Zoom and Skype meetings that I've been having is, like, some semblance of normalcy in this very abnormal, unusual, and frankly, like, kind of scary and awful time. Yeah. And I could go on for a long time about this. <laughs> no, no, no. And look, I don't, I, there isn't, there clearly isn't a right or wrong answer here. I think this is just something that, all of us have sort of individually been wrestling with. And I think your point about it being social and trying to have social interactions, I think it's good just to like let people know that they're not the only ones wrestling with this. Like everybody's wrestling with this and we're all sort of approaching it from different ways. Kev, you've been, you know, sort of close to this. I don't want to say on the front lines, but some of your work has been, you're not you, but you've been doing some research professionally on sort of the whole impact of social distancing and how it's working or not working or things like that. I'm not asking you to divulge that, but I'm just sort of (laughs) painting that picture so that, you know, share your thoughts on, on sort of the prospect of not having a season and, and how, how much that sort of entered your mind as you've been doing this level of research. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, as you mentioned for my job, um, it, it kind of, uh, not forces me, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm in an environment where when things like this happen, we're called to do kind of quick um, research and development around it and try to build tools that can support decision makers to to make appropriate decisions, well-informed decisions. Um, and yeah, I mean, and so because of that, I kind of, I, yeah, I, I made sure I stayed up on a lot of things quite early. Um, and yeah, in my mind, I remember listening to other soccer podcasts um, pretty early on in the outbreak, um, them kind of talking kind of lightly and kind of laissez-faire about, ah, oh, they can't cancel, blah, blah, blah. They're not going to... And it, to be honest, since you know pretty early on, I've been a pretty stern proponent of, no, we kind of need to... Like, <laughs> it, it, it sucks, and 
you know, we're talking, it's, it's, it's a big messy situation, but I'm, I'm a big proponent of, yeah, we have to shut things down and, and it find ways around keeping engaged with a community that we're all, you know, proud and happy to be a part of. But, um, yeah. And so I, I think it's as far as like, just from a scientific standpoint, it's, it's the right call to be, um, aggressive with, with, social distancing policies like you know shutting down leagues temporarily um but of course yeah everything laura ellen says is absolutely correct i mean like you know you can have you can you can simultaneously be concerned about you know the health of you and your loved ones and and everyone um and also like be upset that soccer is not a thing like like you can have both of those things that's it's not a you know you could so so yeah it's it's definitely um it's definitely something that's disheartening, but um, I'm I'm actually I'm really happy to to see that it's happening because I think it's it's really needed. Josh, this is your first season as president of the Steel Army, and it's like there's not going to be a season. <laughs> is this what you thought it would be? You're out. Right. Put it all on me. <laughs> you don't have to provide soccer. I, I mean, come I on. I take over, and everything goes to hell. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've had that thought though. I'm like, man. This sucks. <laughs> but no, uh, it's it's also something to keep in mind is we're not the Premier League and we're not going to have games behind closed doors to finish out the season or to even start the season or the whole season because we, as a league, the teams need ticket sales to survive. Like, they just play behind closed doors. It's not like they have great TV deals. It's, it's going to be the only way they make money is if they, you know, have people coming in for That's home games yeah. so we're not going to have a season if it isn't in front of a crowd so keep that in mind and if that's the case it also depends on all the counties all the, i mean all the the states having laws that say we're allowed to have gatherings or <laughs> pretty much allowing it i should say um so it, it it could just be out of the league's hands completely anyway because if if they're not allowed to have social gatherings then it's not going to happen because unless we dramatically change the way the revenue works for this league like maybe pay-per-view games something like that which i don't see that working but it's a possibility uh because it's the only way we would see these games happen if we're not allowed to have large social gatherings so yeah it's it's sad but uh, again needed it's not like this is something that is you know they're like, hey, this would be great if we don't play this season. Right. <laughs> like, if anyone wants it, it's the te- it's, it's the teams because they need it. And yeah, I mean, like, just following up on that point, I mean, it's yeah, it's it's conversations that I think ha- have been circling around a lot in the soccer community. But Josh, I mean, yeah, like you're absolutely right. Like, I think I think the hard thing that it's it's hard to say, but I think I mean a lot of a lot of soccer clubs all over the world are in serious like concern of going bust here, um, and a lot of you know a lot of clubs with a lot of history and a lot of yeah. a lot of fans a lot of in importance in the community a lot of them are in serious uh, yeah serious consideration of, of going under um, because yeah when you can't get ticket sales and it's not good so and so I'm not trying to when I say I'm happy that something like this is happening. I, I'm, I'm also being very aware that gee, on the other side of the coin, it's it's a terrible outcome for a lot of people. A lot of people's livelihoods are, are gone. Um, and I, yeah, I don't have answers for any of this. Um, but it's yeah, it's an acknowledgement that 
yeah, it's it's not good. <laughs> Obviously, you're you're approaching it as you know, humankind is more important than sport, which I think is an argument that all of us would make. As you yeah. know, as much as we'd love to have sport, it's but, better that we have people that can actually play right. the sport. So, yeah. and and we can simultaneously kind of still gather around a community that we all feel a part of and feel strongly for and try to either even just just talk about it openly and say man this this sucks that you know a lot of clubs are hurting and potentially going under or maybe even try to do something to support them indirectly or whatever um so yeah it's we can kind of do both it's it's okay <laughs> yeah guys let's uh just just to sort of take your read on on what you're thinking Guess I guess just the simple yes or no. Do you think that we're going to see the USL Championship take the field this year, realistically? Laura Allen, what do you think? Yes or no? Uh, no. Josh? Okay, I'm going to couch this a little bit. Just a little couch. <laughs> I'm saying no because I don't want to be disappointed if it's a no. <laughs> So I'm preparing myself for no. Everton until the day you die. Kevin, yes or no? <laughs> yeah, yes. I, I actually do think this season will, will happen eventually. Oh, okay. See, now I, I kind of want to fall. Like, in what, <laughs> in what capacity? Like, do you think it would be a shortened season? Like, do you think it's just uh, a few months? Yes. Yeah, I, I think I think they'll have to do some schedule juggling. Um, but... It's not unprecedented, um, you know. Like games get moved, and you know it's it's a thing that's happened. And and obviously these are outstanding circumstances, and and everyone kind of has to accept that and understand that. And and yes, like normally we'd be angry if our team played three games or four, you know, four games in eight days. But like that might happen. Uh, um, there's actually a great a great side story. Um, there's a soccer league in Iceland. And it takes place the the whole length of the season is one week. And I want to say there's like there's like eight teams or something. And it's the shortest it's the shortest league in like in, in the world or whatever. But they, they it's super intense and they play a ton of games in one week and that's it. And, that, and it's like and people <laughs> people come from all over Iceland to, to watch it or whatever. But like just things like that. I mean it's like it's fine. Like you know, like it's not ideal, and sure, and but it's you, we can make it work. Dire times call for desperate, you know, desperate measures or whatever. I, I think it's I think it's still possible, and I think if I had to, if I'm if you're splitting me fifty fifty, do I think it's you know slightly more likely or slightly less likely? I still think it's slightly more likely that that a league gets played this season. See, now I'm like trying to picture if we said, "Hey, Lily, you play in a league that plays seven games in a week. Build your team. Like, what would that team look like?" <laughs> That could be a fun conversation. Like a, a bunch of big guys. I, a bunch <laughs> of really tall guys. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you start to think like, okay, these guys probably couldn't go two days in a row, but could they go like every other day if they're only going for a week? Like, how do you how do you play that game? See, now we got to – this might be something that we do to pass the time. Um, yeah. I, I'm going to say no. Um, I'm, my, my concern is that – not to be the Debbie Downer, but I feel like until we actually have a uh, a cure or a vaccine for this thing, that it's just going to be continuous waves. Uh, I mean, like this weekend, uh, you know, we're going to talk about sort of our weekend plans here on the after show. So that's a little plug. Like if you want to go to Patreon and drop a dollar a month, you can hear the after show. Just have more content to listen to. Um, 
we went for a ride. Uh, basically, we have house guests staying with us uh, for who knows how long at this point. More on that on the Patreon show. Um, but we decided to get out of the house, give them some space. And we were like, we'll just take a ride to like Ohio pile, which is about 40 minutes from our house. We're like, there won't be anybody there. It'll be fine. Even if there are people there, we'll keep our distance. It was to the point that the overflow parking lot was full. People were shoulder to shoulder. People were all hanging out and eating like out of the one restaurant together, just mingling. Like it was nothing. We didn't even get out of the car. We said, we're not doing this. We turned the car around. We went home. We drove through another park nearby, and literally every trailhead had like five or six cars stacked on top of each other. Everybody was out. And I get it. When you're when you're like locked in your house for an entire week because everybody's working from home, you take the weekend and you want to get out, and everybody has the same idea. But as long as that is the case, social distancing is doing nothing. And it's still going to spread and it's just going to be wave after wave. And this is going to be the new normal for a while. And as long as that's the case, I can't see, you know, Josh, to your point, like governments saying, hey, you know, sure, have a, you know, have an event with 5,000 people all right next to each other because it's just, it's not going to happen. So um, hope, I, I, I hope to God that I'm wrong. Like I, I hope that something changes and we all sort of do our part, which, you know, I think everybody listening here is most likely doing their part. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's sort of where we're at. Ugh, um, yeah, that, that, that felt like a downer end of the episode. Uh, I guess do you guys should have picked the movie last. Yeah, we should pick this the, part. In the middle, so let's end it on ladybugs. Let's, uh, yeah, let's, let's go back. So the three movies you're going to be voting on, on Twitter, uh, are bend it like Beckham, big green and ladybugs. So uh, I have only seen one of those three movies. I'll let you guys guess which one that is. Um, Kevin, you already know. Uh, but yeah, go over on Twitter, vote. Um, we're going to keep doing the the Mon movies on Saturday nights because, like we said, it's a fun thing to do. And even if nobody else shows up, I think I would still do it just to hang out with you guys and like you know make sure that we're all doing this and having fun. Um, so be a part of it. You can go over to mongols.com, get more information on the movie that we're, that we're going to be watching, when to start, uh, you know, how to be part of the conversation on Twitter. It's a lot of fun. We just sort of hang out. And if there are other things that you think we could be doing, um, to sort of keep this group together and, and interacting and active, let us know. We're, we're happy to sort of do other things. I started thinking about, um, the number of people that tweeted out, uh, pictures of soccer books that they've been reading. I thought it could be interesting if each of us pick like our favorite soccer book and we could even just record us reading the first chapter of it just to give people a sense of what the book is like. Drop that as a show, you know, each week there's like one new book. And if you think it's interesting, then you can go out and, you know, get the book on Amazon or something like that. And that gives you something to do while you're inside. Um, but ideas like that, anything that you got that, that, you know, could sort of keep everybody going together and, um, you know, we are, we're all in this together. And even though we're apart, it's comforting to know that we are all in this together. So I guess guys, any other, uh, any other thoughts for this show? I'm good. Good. All right. We're good. Well, huge thanks to Kenny for stopping by. As we said, that was probably one of our more enjoyable player interviews. Um, can't wait to have him back on the show. And, uh, like I said, best, best of luck to him teaching first grade. sounds like a good time over there. 
Um, thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to USL, MLS, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. We will say that um, you know we had a conversation with Roughneck Scarves, and much like every other company out there, they're getting really hit hard um, financially. But because they have been with us from the beginning, this ad that we just did here is completely free of charge. Um, we want to do everything that we can to sort of support those who have supported us um, so early on. So, you know, if you are looking to get scarves, whether it's now or it's three months from now, um, we do hope that you consider Roughneck Scarves. Uh, they're a great place to do it. Tired of same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike or Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. Be sure to head over to USL, um, or, or I'm sorry, BGN.FM for more USL news. Carson has started putting out all sorts of written um, pieces about what players are doing when they're not playing, um, which is very applicable now. He's been reaching out to a ton of different players. The whole writing staff has been doing an amazing job of finding unique ways to sort of cover soccer when there isn't soccer. So check that out at BGN.FM. Otherwise, thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you very, very soon. Cheers. Later. Bye.